Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge. I'm one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. And I am your other co-host, Ryan Bauer. Ryan, how are you on this lovely Saturday morning? I am doing wonderful. Uh, Fall is in the air. It is coming. There are ghosts flying around and pumpkins rolling through the yard. It's it's a magical time here in uh, Maine in the fall. <laughs> I got attacked by a vampire. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> they bite so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm doing great. Uh, what have I been playing? Uh, so much Hades. Hades came to the Switch. Just nonstop Hades. Me and my partner have been taking turns trying all the different weapons uh, this morning i got to king theseus and i killed him but then the minotaur got me Aww. uh didn't quite make it we're gonna keep powering through it's it's such a wonderful game thank you yes. for the uh, recommendation it's the best roguelike that i've played i have i'm not a huge fan of roguelikes because mm-hmm. like progression is super important to me and the progression in this just feels really good and the gameplay is just constantly fun and the yeah. way the different powers how they combine is really fun so a lot of hades uh, more endless Crusader Kings, just still ch- plinking away um, through Crusader Kings, taking over all of Europe. I unschismed the, all the religions, which was good. Uh, which, there's just one of them. <laughs> Everybody's just an insular Christian um, and has multiple wives. It's a magical time. Got rid of the Pope. Who needs him? <laughs> so it's been good. It's been all good. Um, what about you? How are you and what have you been playing? I'm good. Uh, yeah, it's fall is in the air for sure. I just went for a walk and it's like 50 degrees, so <laughs> definitely a, a jarring change, but it's good. Um, a lot more cider drinking, so I'm totally down for that, as always. Uh, I, I'm so happy that you've been playing Hades because I feel finally like validated that someone else is playing this game that I I think I've only ever known myself playing, you know, just from our friend group, that no one else has played it. So the fact that you're playing it and you're enjoying it, it just makes me feel so happy. Um, yeah, I, I've been. I too have been playing a lot of Hades. The, the it just left early access, so I I'd finally be able to see the ending. I've been grinding towards these this like last like I don't know probably over a year. I think it got announced like two game awards ago. So yeah, it's fantastic. I love Hades so much. And uh, as always, Animal Crossing. We're getting there. Oof, man, we're getting there. Tom Nook is running me dry with my bells. <laughs> all the renovations I'm doing. But, uh, <laughs> that, that, damn fox or i said fox <laughs> raccoon I'm <gonna laughs> anyway uh <laughs> but yeah just a lot of hades a lot of animal crossing and uh i feel like there's one more and i can't remember I'm, i guess we're trying to see it thieves today hopefully fingers crossed yes i yeah I'm super yeah, I excited about jump in do some sea of thieves sail the seas steal some things <laughs> fight some skeletons that'll be great that'd be fantastic yeah but yeah uh I want to do a quick shout out to my lovely girlfriend, Lindsay. She edited our last episode and killed it. She actually like enjoys editing episodes, whereas I struggle greatly to want to record episodes. I'll write an episode and I'll record episode and enjoy the heck out of it. But I mean, when it comes to editing, it is hard. So huge shout out to her. She did awesome. She stayed up late last night to do it, and I really appreciate it a lot. And so, and as always, you can write in with your thoughts feelings and perspectives uh, to tales from the cartridge at gmail.com all of the e's are threes and you can also see us on twitter and instagram dm us let us know what you think uh we're still waiting for that number one to come in uh and we're super excited for it and today we are covering the best star wars story you've never heard of in shadows of the empire so ryan i think you have some good background information on this game so it was published or it was developed by LucasArts and published by Nintendo. Nintendo came to LucasArts and said, hey, 
we're putting out this new system and we want a Star Wars game on it. Um, so will you help make one? And so LucasArts, they developed one and it shipped on both PC and N64. PC, a little bit different, um, had some more stuff going on. Yeah, a lot more stuff. Yeah, the the director, the project director was Mark High Hutchinson and then the lead designer was John Knowles. And John Knowles um, went on to, I think he works for the on the Forza series now. He's like the lead on the Forza series now. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was released on uh, November 3rd in 1986 in the U.S. So I think this is our oldest game, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, 1986, yeah, because yeah, Banjo-Kazooie is 98, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And then in the EU in March of 97 and Japan of 97. Hmm. Um, one of the things behind LucasArts is when they were looking at this game, they were like, man, we've made a lot of Star Wars games. We're kind of Star Wars out. We're going to make a Western game. And then Nintendo approached them and this ended up being folded into that. And um, it sounds like um, you can see some of that Western vibe in the character and in some of the levels that you do, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean those shoulder, those space shoulder pads, dude. They are puppy space <laughs> shoulder pads are so cool. And I don't know why I bring that up as part of the Western thing, but for some reason it just feels Western to me. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, probably in the way in the way he shoots his gun and walks. <laughs> it's more Western. <laughs> whatever, you know. We all see inspiration in different things. Right. Uh, I can't wait to see um, your Dash Rendar cosplay. Probably. <laughs> your own space ryan you spoiled the surprise i'm sorry cut this Lindsay. cut this (laughs) (laughs) um one of the really interesting things about this was uh when this when they were developing this this was before the n64 was released so when they had people play testing shadows of the empire the, the the controller was in a box and they had to like stick their hands in it because like wow. it was a huge secret what the controller looked like, and uh, as we know, the N sixty four controller looks buck wild. Um, but yeah, so it, like people had to stick their hand in this box and like play it that way because um, only the the developers were able to see what this looks like. They were worried it was going to leak, so that was like super interesting about around the development. That's so funny. They're probably like, why are there three bananas mushed together in this <laughs> box, <laughs> and how am I using it to yeah. control this? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah because it's such a weird controller um and then one of the things is uh the Knowles, one of the lead designers who did the, a lot of the art he didn't actually particularly like the name of dash rendar who we will meet shortly um and then nintendo thought this was gonna be kind of a, such a big hit or such a big series that they bought the exclusive rights to those characters from n64 wow um, for lebo and dash and you never saw him again <laughs> yeah unfortunately we never saw them again um and then a couple more things apparently the outrider appears in even though um as part of the extended universe which in star wars is everything that came out that wasn't in the movies it recently in the past probably five years i don't actually exactly know when when that first new when the first new star wars movie came out that all became non-canon which as we've talked about canon and not canon isn't the most important but in, yeah. in in terms of Star Wars lore, there's a very strong base around what is and isn't canon. Um, so even though this technically, at the time, or shortly after this came out, um, or after this came out, it was not, it wasn't canon. If you watch those old special edition Star Wars episode uh, for A New Hope, you can see the Outrider flying over Moss Eisley. So even though it in some ways isn't canon, there's still that ship is still out there. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, um, which I have to go now and rewatch because I don't—I didn't know what the Outrider was when I when, any time I've watched it recently. It's only the coolest ship in the whole series, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry, 
It's the ship you've only seen once in that really weird N64 game that we're covering today. And then, last things, is Miyamoto had some strong criticisms of some of the design choices of the game, where he wanted to make sure you could always see Dash's feet, and he uh, criticized the the developers on the on the animations, because um, at this time he was he was working on Super Mario sixty four, right? So mm-hmm. he said he was he knew what that was going to be, and then was comparing this. And I want to make sure I say a lot of this info that I got was from a really good Game Informer article by Kyle Hilliard. Go check it out. There's more there, but that's where I got a lot of this background info. That's so funny that Miyamoto criticized them. I uh, you just look at Miyamoto, and he looks like the nicest guy in the world. But like, I feel like when it comes to game design, he's probably very critical and probably very scary to to yeah. you know present anything in front of. I would be terrified to even if I I don't know I I, I don't do game design, so I can't even imagine uh, let alone meet him. <laughs> I would be terrified to just say hi to him because he's so larger than life in this industry. So cool, but yeah, I'm sure that'd be hard to take criticism from Miyamoto too. Not hard, but just very, like, like punch to the heart, you know? Mm-hmm. Or shot to the heart. Shot to the heart, <laughs> not punch to the heart. <laughs> Sorry, punch Bon Jovi. shot in the heart. <laughs> I was trying to respect Bon Jovi and not take the title of his song, but you know what I mean. Anyway. He can have a freebie. <laughs> so the cartridge drop. We won't, we, won't, we won't get him for it. <laughs> so, Ryan, what is your, or if any, history on with the game Shadows of the Empire? I have no history with Shadows of the Empire. I was, like, like I think we've talked about in the past, I was late to all the Nintendo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was late getting the N64. I was late getting the GameCube. And I was super late getting, I didn't get the Wii, I was late getting the Wii, I didn't get the Wii U, and I got the Switch late. Um, so I have no, I've, I've, I know this game exists. I know it's out in the ether somewhere. I, but that's that's it. I know, I, I know almost absolutely nothing about this game. Oh, I, I, you missed out. <laughs> So my history with the game is like, uh, growing up, I would always go to my grandmother's house and my cousins would always be there. And so Shadows of the Empire was just one of the many N64 games that we played. And I didn't play it per se, I don't think. I don't think I really played it, but I watched my cousins play because they were older than me. So I watched them play it all the time. And I just remember being so enamored by the world and the characters and just seeing like you see boba fett in there and you see like pictures of luke and it's just kind of so cool because like at the time i was super into star wars and uh so it's and i have so many good stories or just good memories in my mind i have one really good story i want to tell i I say really good it's really good for me it's probably not very good for story goers because there's there's not a lot of context but i just i can see it in my, my, my mind so going over it, it'll be fun for me and hopefully my cousins if they listen to this. So, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a great, it, Star Wars, so Shadows of the Empire is like the, is like the best Star Wars story you've never heard. And like the game is definitely not perfect by any means. It's definitely lacking in some regards to the story and to, I mean, gameplay in general, honestly, but it has such good pieces to it. It has such good, like just bits and pieces of the story in it and the characters are cool like dash rendar is like this like really cool dude he's like a cooler han solo if that's even possible so yeah overall really cool game it's definitely not the best game by any means but it's a lot of fun for like a classic n64 game but yeah so i guess without further ado ryan are you ready to jump in i i think i am yeah okay so this is gonna be interesting we have this (laughs) so in every star wars everything uh, there's always an opening crawl that kind of explains what's going on beforehand. Uh, this game has four crawls. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ryan has been gracious to, enough to sing the the crawl music as I read each crawl. 
This can't go wrong. <laughs> There's no way that this audio isn't going to be anything other than gold. Oh God, this is going to be such hot garbage. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Are you feeling good? Are you feeling ready? Yeah, I'm feeling ready. We'll just see how this, how many takes this takes. Um, okay. All right. I'm just going to start it off. Um, I So I'm going to hit play on this video, and I'm going to try my best to keep up with the video, and we'll see how this syncs up. Okay, go ahead. Okay. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. It is a time of crisis. Imperial probes scouring the galaxy for a hidden rebel base have discovered their outpost on the remote ice world of Hoth. Darth Vader, obsessed with finding Luke Skywalker, has sent his forces to engage the rebels in battle. With a dreaded Imperial fleet approaching, a lone freighter has entered the Hoth system. <laughs> that was beautiful, Ryan. Thank you so much. You did great. Yeah. Thanks, 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 thanks. There's four of these. There's four of these. Yeah, we'll get better each time. Or not. Or maybe not, yeah. This gets worse and worse every time. Oh, man. All right, all right. Here's the story. The vastness of space can be seen as our story begins. Outrider to Echo Base, please respond. A spaceship can be seen flying towards a white and blue planet, Hoth. Sir, we have made contact with the rebels. A metallic robot says as it turns its head towards the man on the left. The man turns to his right and smiles and says, This is Dash Rendar. I have a supply shipment for Echo Base, transmitting clearance codes now. A rebel from Echo Base responds. Clearance granted. We are lowering the energy shield. You may land on Bay 3. The Outrider continues to fly to the planet Hoth and successfully lands at Echo Base. As the Outrider settles on the ground, Dash leaves the cockpit and walks out into the snowy ground. Looking around, he notices a familiar face and walks over to him. Han Solo. I thought you were still on Ord Mantel. Bounty Hunter trouble bring you here? Dash questions with his hands firmly on his hips. Han, his face apathetic, looks at Dash and says, Yeah, I see you still fly the Outrider. I hear she's almost as fast as the Falcon now. Dash chuckles to Han's statement. The last time we raced, I let you win, Han. You and that pile of bolts wouldn't stand a chance now. He says with confidence in his voice. Right, Han says, clearly not believing anything Dash is saying. You'll get your chance to show off, Ace. The Empire is heading this way. If I put in a good word for you, Luke may let you join Rogue Squadron. As for me, I gotta get off this ice cube and pay off Java. Maybe I'll take you up in that race someday. Sounds of battling can be heard outside of Echo Base. Imperial forces inbound! Rebel pilots begin to rush to the cockpits of their snowspeeders, preparing to fight. Dash, now trapped in a fight between the Rebels and the Empire, decides to help the Rebels and jumps into a snowspeeder. Flipping a few switches, Dash brings the snowspeeder to life and takes a deep breath. Realizing the snowspeeder is a two-man vessel, Dash calls the closest rebel soldier and tells him to jump in. A rebel listens and jumps into the tail gunner seat in the back of the snowspeeder and prepares to take off. This is like pretty interesting opening. I re- they're like kind of setting up so that 
they because this is before any other Star Wars movies have came out since the originals, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is after Jedi, and then this is before the prequels. So, and then we should say too, um, this this story takes place. If you're a Star Wars fan, you'll understand. This story takes place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It kind of is the right, little. Right. It's like the bridge between the two movies. So I think it's it's really interesting what they're doing. Is they're like. Here's a place you know about because you just you saw it in that iconic movie. Here's a character you know about because you saw it in the iconic movie. That's a really good hook, I think, to get us. Even if we don't know who Dash is, we're interested in him because he raced Han Solo, right? We're interested in him because all of a sudden he's now at Hoth, this place we know so much about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a really good way to get us kind of interested in this character yeah. is by um, having him interact with these characters we um, seemingly know and love. Right, yeah, yeah. It brings in characters you know very quickly. And like you said, I think that helps kind of like make you care. Like Dash Render has a history with Han Solo. So like now he's interesting, right? But wow, that's so cool. How does he know Han? That's, they've raced together. Wow, that's amazing. Like why is yeah. the Outrider so cool? I don't know. <laughs> the Outrider is like a mix between like Slave One and the Millennium Falcon. For some reason, that's what I think. I don't know. But like it's a, it's a really cool looking ship. It's like one of my favorite looking ships in Star Wars, I think. Um, that's cool. And I should say I, say, I say that this takes place between the two movies, but this beginning part takes place... Uh, in the beginning of Empire. And then the other, I think the rest takes place between the two movies. Okay. Just for yeah, yeah. clarification. That makes sense. Yeah. Because this is when... So this this is the same time in which the, the Empire is, is attacking Hoth. Right? right. A big set, the opening of, of Empire. So like in that, so in the movie, te- like technically before this wasn't canon anymore, um, Dash Rendar was in the Battle of Hoth. Right. Which is so cool. It's like, you, did, you never see him in the movie, but to have this kind of, this background information makes it kind of cool now when you rewatch empire if you still want to believe that this is canon it's like wow like dash is in this battle you just don't know it but it's really cool yeah. that they kind of brought that in and kind of brought more background information into this world yeah and i also think it, it fills the world out right because every one of those soldiers in the battle of hoth and every every single person there has like some kind of story and, and i think exploring these stories just makes that more interesting yeah yeah i'm a firm believer too that like um as a kid the main reason why i like star wars is the same reason probably for everybody that Jedi and Seth were so cool. Like, lightsabers are yeah. cool. The fights are so cool. Uh, now as a, a grown man, <laughs> a self-proclaimed, a grown man. <laughs> a self-proclaimed grown man. Um, my uncles would disagree, but um, I think the coolest part actually isn't the Jedi and the Sith because they're, they're so flawed. I think I see, you know, there's, the Jedi are, are so flawed and the Sith are so flawed that actually I feel like the, the bounty hunters and the mercenaries, and like the, you know, even like we see in the Mandalorian show, is is so interesting these characters that aren't jedi that have no relation to the force but they're still so cool because they're so like kind of like rugged and they have a a history and a background and you know life is tough and they're just trying to get by and i think that's so much more interesting now than the whole jedi sith aspect but what do you what do you think what draws you to star wars now right yeah certainly the same when i was a kid it was like a a power escape right like as a a child you have so little power in the world around you and then here's these like super powerful magicians that can do all kinds of really cool stuff and nothing can really stop them which is appealing now i think similar to you that more kind of gray area where um you have like interesting characters in, in difficult situations and i think the reason it resonates is because that's more of what the real world is right like mm-hmm. there there are certainly people who are inherently good and people who are inherently make poor choices i don't i don't know if i believe there are bad people um who make choices that aren't good um yeah. for various reasons but the like this uh, that feels more realistic right that there are people just trying to figure out what's right and wrong in the world because that is kind of more connects more with my my experience right like you, you try to do the best but you have to do with the the gray world you live in 
Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that we even see that too. Um, and this could be just be my, my perspective. I could be totally wrong. But like, if you see how well Rogue One did, the movie, compared to the new trilogy, I feel like Rogue One was such a stronger story. And it had really nothing to do with Jedi or Sith or anything like that. I think it was just all, all around more interesting. These characters who had no Force abilities or anything like that were just so much more compelling and interesting than I think Rey or Kylo were. And that's just me. I'm sure other people do not agree with that, and that's totally okay. But it's just, at some point, I just, I, I feel like it's so annoying. <laughs> These Jedi, yeah. Like the Jedi and the Sith just never change. Uh, and spoilers for the, uh, what was the movie called? What's the last one called? That I, I don't know. I, I kind of blanked know. out of. Uh, uh, oh, Rise of Skywalker. Right. Still, sure. still nothing changes. <laughs> you know, like nothing yeah. changes. And they, uh, it just, I don't know. That's why I feel like this aspect of, of Star Wars that we never really get to see anymore, but now we're kind of seeing more of a resurgence, like the Mandalorian and Rogue One, is really cool because it's, it's regular people doing heroic things in this world where you don't have to really be heroic. It's, the world's not asking you to be heroic. If anything, you're the more kind of dirty and uh, sleazy you are, the kind of further you get, it seems. So when someone is like a hero in this in this setting, it's much more like fun. It's much more enjoyable, I think. Because like with the Jedi, are always going to do the right thing, and the Sith are always going to do the bad thing. So there's really nothing surprising there. But with like yeah, with like shows like The Mandalorian, you know, Mandalorians are these like cutthroat killers, and they're really hardcore. So the fact that this guy is taking in this baby and saving it, like that's so cool. Like that's a, that's a different aspect we've never seen before. Anyway, point is Jedi suck, Sith suck, and Mandalorians and <laughs> mercenaries are cool. <laughs> One after another, the snowspeeders rush out of Echo Base, including Dash. Imperial probe droids can be seen in the distance. Take out those Imperial probe droids. Be careful not to shoot our own turrets. A member of Rogue Squadron yells over the comms. Snowspeeders begin to shoot down the probe droids. With a few shots coming a little too close, Dash yells out, Hey, I'm on your side. As Dash and Rogue Group finish off the Imperial probe droids, ATSTs drop onto the open war zone. These ATSTs shouldn't be any problems for our blasters, a member of Rogue Group says over the comms. Applying the brakes, Dash quickly U-turns and begins to fire upon the close ATSTs. Some snowspeeders succumb to the attacks. But luckily, with the help of the blasters on their snowspeeders, the rebel group is able to destroy the ATSDs. In the distance, massive four-legged vehicles, known as AT-ATs, slowly begin to move towards Echo Base. The blasters on the snowspeeders do nothing to the hulls of the mechanical monsters. As more snowspeeders die to the unkillable AT-ATs over the comms, the rogue group leader can be heard saying, Try using your harpoons and tow cables on the AT-AT legs. Dash looks to the legs of the AT-ATs ahead of him and understands what he needs to do. Getting closer, he yells out to the rebel soldier behind him, maining the heavy-duty tow cable in the tail gunner seat to get ready and aim for a leg. With the rebel ready with the cable, Dash yells out, No! The rebel pulls the trigger, sending the cable to the closest leg of the AT-AT and successfully attaches. Dash takes the snowspeeder closer to the AT-AT's legs and begins to wrap the cable around them. Around the AT-AT, the cable goes, getting tighter and tighter around its legs. As legs become too restricted by the cable, the massive monster can't move anymore and topples over to the ground. Good job, rogue group, says the rogue group leader. We still need to buy more time for our transports to escape. Keep at them! Dash and the rogue group continue to fight off probe droids, AT-STs, and AT-ATs. 
the Imperial forces begin to target Echo Base's shield generators and successfully destroy them with their blasters. The Imperial forces have destroyed the shield generator. Let's get out of here! Yelled the rogue group leader. With the Imperial forces becoming overwhelming, the rebels quickly turn around and speed back to Echo Base as fast as they can. Dash makes it back and lands his snowspeeder. Over the communicator, Dash hears his robot co-pilot, Levo, waiting in the Outrider. The Empire has destroyed the main generator. The shield door to Bay 3 is closed, and we can't take off. You must activate the emergency generators on the lower level to open the door. Hurry. Ryan, how was that robot voice? That was a very good robot voice. It's funny I, don't know, I don't know how you did that to your voice, but it was magic. Thank you, Ryan. And, and what's really cool is that you have we have to do it in post <laughs> in, in, uh, <laughs> in editing. So you won't really know what it sounds like till afterwards, but I, I appreciate the support <laughs> regardless. Of course, yeah. In, in the moment, I want to make sure I'm supporting, knowing what I'm going to hear in post. Right, exactly, yeah. Dash, now trapped in Echo Base, readies his blaster and heads forward to find the emergency generators. Running past resting snowspeeders, Dash runs to the nearest corridor and watches the Millennium Falcon lift off the ground and prepare for takeoff. Imperial troops litter the room, firing on the Falcon. But with his blaster, Dash guns them down as the Falcon takes off and leaves Echo Base and flies into the vastness. Um, again, like there's this really cool scene where we as uh, like a player are um, helping move something we saw in the movie forward in a really cool and interesting way, right? Where we're saving the Falcon so it can move forward in the story, which is really uh, cool and interesting. Right, yeah, it's it's really cool too because like in the game and like the graphics aren't like if you compare Shadows of the Empire to like Mario's a little too simple because like the, the shapes are all very simplistic. It's not like real like Star Wars is, but if you compare it to like Zelda, I would say the graphics are lesser than in Shadows of the Empire. Like it could be better. It could be like Zelda. Zelda I think is much more a little bit more crisp on the N sixty four. But re- regardless, it's still really cool to watch as like dashes turns the corner to this hangar and you see the Falcon lift off the ground and you see all these imperial troopers shooting at it it's like wow this is so cool like you know that's han solo and chewbacca in there and and they're trying to take off and you help them right you help you you kill the troops uh the imperial troopers to help them escape and that's it's just such a cool like you said it it, it brings you more into the story because they're involving characters that you appreciate in really cool ways and really like simplistic ways that are believable yeah and i think in like the same way with like you mentioned rogue one different sets of characters are making it so that these big story plots that we know about can happen so Mm -hmm. because dash was here han solo was able to get away like if it wasn't for dash perhaps the whole rest of the movie now that we that we have watched and we grew up with would not have happened which is is a really cool story piece yeah and it's cool because like and I won't go into it yet because it's kind of spoilery but seeing han solo is kind of and, and dash talking to han solo is important later on in the story and kind of for the motivations of Dash. Um, so again, really cool setup. The, the story has a lot of cool parts to it. A lot, a lot of cool parts. It just doesn't connect super well. It doesn't flow super well between the parts. But for the stories themselves, like I would I would pay so much to see these as, as a, see Shadows of the Empire as a movie. I think it would be do so good. And like, it's impossible now, I think, unless they recast all of the original characters like they did with Han Solo. I don't know how well that would go at all. I think Star Wars is really hurting right now, so they're trying to like trying to take a step back. I don't think doing Shadows of the Empire would be a fantastic idea for them. But uh, I mean, as hurting as a multi-billion-dollar company can ever <laughs> you're be. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I shouldn't say they're. <laughs> <laughs> but man, Rise of Skywalker is trash. <laughs> <laughs>
As Dash explores Echo Base, he runs into more Imperial Troopers that he takes down. Checking unlocked doors for the emergency generators, Dash finds himself walking along the icy ledges of Echo Base. As he continues to slowly maneuver on the icy ground, he finds an elevator that takes him down to the lower level of the base. Deep inside, Dash is able to find and turn on each emergency generator needed to escape. With the cue from his robot companion to leave, Dash runs into an open room in Echo Base to discover an ATST waiting. Can you imagine how crappy that would be to walk into an open room with just that ATST waiting for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's this one massive man. thing, and yeah. you're like, oh crap, I just want to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no amount of puppy space, or puppy space shoulder pads can save you from an ATSD. Well, we'll see. Does he? Does he get out of it? Yeah, we'll he see. does. Yeah. <laughs> Dash dives behind the giant colossus and begins to fire at its back with his blaster. As the ATSD continues to try and turn to aim at him, Dash fires a barrage of lasers under the ATSD until it cannot handle it anymore and explodes. Not having a moment to spare. Dash runs down a corridor and into a wandering snow monster known as a Wampa. The Wampa, massive and covered in white fur, begins to charge at Dash, but not before getting shot down by the blaster in Dash's hand. Finally, finding the hangar bay, Dash continues to fire at Imperial troops hanging around his ship. Running up the ship's ramp, Dash kills the remaining troops inside, jumps into the seat of his cockpit, and flies away from Echo Base. As the Outrider leaves the atmosphere of the planet Hoth, Imperial TIE fighters can be seen following Dash. Sir, you'll have to fight off the ties. So you can get far enough away from these asteroids to make the jump to light speed. Says Lebo, Dash's robot companion. The Outrider flies close to the Imperial Star Destroyer resting by the asteroid belt. Dash begins to fire at it, as well as the TIE fighters and TIE bombers circling around him. Dash successfully clears out the Imperial fighters and makes it past the asteroid belt, giving him the chance to jump into light speed. End of part one. Um... So, so far, I think, like, story-wise, it feels, like, really solid, right? Like, Dash's motivations are, he was delivering something, he got caught up in something, and now he's just trying to get out. That all feels really believable. Like, we talked about the setting where you're, like, in this really iconic moment is really interesting and engaging. And then, like, I know I personally, I just want to know more about Dash and who this character is and what his role is in this experience. Like, the hook is, I know this connects two movies that I really enjoyed, Mm -hmm. How does this character bridge that gap? So I think that's that's really interesting. What what do you think? How are you feeling? I love it. I just, I think it's so cool. Like I think Dash is a fun character, and just the setting. It's so cool seeing a Wampa. Which just in case you uh, maybe forgot or or can't think of what they look like, Wampas are the giant like snow monsters that like that takes Luke and, and Empire Strikes Back and hangs him from the icy ceiling and plans on eating him. And Luke chops his arm off. I think. Um, yeah, so that, that's that. That's what those are. So seeing those again was really cool, and, and Dash shooting that down. Um, the only thing that's a little jarring to me is I don't think Dash could really shoot down an ATST with a single blaster. I don't think that would ever really happen in Star Wars. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be totally wrong. I just don't think that would really happen. I think having a lightsaber is one thing for that, but uh, a blaster, I don't know. But anyway, I think it's the whole point is like you need a, a boss <laughs> at the end of the level to to face, and I think that's what they kind of needed for this game. But yeah, besides that, though, I think it's fantastic. I think it's cool that he has a robot companion, and his ship is just so cool. (laughs) I love the Outrider. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see, like, some of these tropes of Star Wars, non-Jedi-focused things are, like, almost set up here, right? Like, we see in more Star Wars things, there's always a robot companion. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it's establishing this kind of almost expectation with a Star Wars story that there's going to be some kind of robot companion. 
uh, you know, the one that sticks out that doesn't is the Mandalorian, and we find more. And like that has a really interesting thing as well, right? Where it's, right. It's flipping that expectation. So it's setting some of these kind of cornerstones of Star Wars stories, um, and it has those in a really cool, interesting way. And going back to your point about Dash, like he's just delivering this thing. He gets in a bad. He gets in a bad situation. He has to get out. But Dash is someone that like he's a mercenary and he wants to get paid, but he's not above doing the right thing. And I think that's what makes him different from Han Solo, at least in um, A New Hope. You know, Han Solo is very money oriented, money driven um, because he's a mercenary. So he he's not necessarily going to do the right thing unless he's getting paid for it. Whereas in Dash here is all about getting paid, but he's constantly putting himself in bad situations because he wants to do the right thing, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and, and going off of what you said, it also with Dash, he was just delivering something. So many of the characters in these stories that we've covered are just people like going about doing just what they have to do to survive or doing what their job is when they get caught up in something bigger than them and then they, you know, have to play that out. And I think a lot of stories we've done have been focused on that, which I think is really interesting. And I'm not sure what the conclusion is to draw from that long term. I think mm-hmm. it'll, it'll take some more some more stories of us to, to break down. But I think that's a really interesting thing that I'm noticing that a lot of these games, a lot of these stories that we remember that we connect with are about a normal person who gets caught up in something that maybe is bigger than they are. Yeah. It's something that just really jives with me personally, at least, with stories like that, because I can, I can put myself in their shoes, and it, it's, it feels believable. It feels like this could happen, even though it's, even if it's like supernatural or something crazy. Like you, you just feel like if I was in this situation, what would I be feeling right now? Would I be would I you know would I be running like this character? Or would I be you know what, would I make the same choices? It's just so cool when you see things like that. But yeah, and we'll see more of that too with Dash. You know, he's being put in bad situations. Some which he chooses, some which he he doesn't choose. <laughs> Part two. In search of Boba Fett, a rival bounty hunter has forced Boba Fett into hiding before he can deliver his prize, the frozen Han Solo, to the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt. As Luke Skywalker and rogue mercenary Dash Rendar search for Boba Fett, a sinister new figure emerges from the underworld. This cunning and ruthless head of the powerful crime syndicate Black Sun plots to ensnare young Skywalker and replace Lord Vader at the Emperor's right hand. Great job, Ryan. That's fantastic. Thanks. (laughs) In the Imperial City, not far from the Emperor's palace, two figures are talking to one another. You are meeting with the Emperor when it's planned, Prince Caesar? A mysterious woman asks. Of course, Geary. I promised 300 ships for the construction project on Endor. He couldn't have found a more agreeable business partner. A mysterious man replies, a victorious smile on his face. Or a more dangerous enemy, Geary comments. You've informed Jabba's bounty hunters that the order to capture Skywalker alive have now been changed? Asks the mysterious man. Yes, and no one will know the new order to kill Skywalker came from you, Geary says happily, a smirk across her face. Excellent. His face widens more menacingly. Vader will suffer the Emperor's wrath after he fails to turn Skywalker to the dark side. With them out of the way, and the Emperor's need for Black Sun's near-infinite resources, my grip on the galaxy will be supreme. Again, they're like playing with the the Star Wars story where they're, we have expectations of what's going to happen because we know this story so well, and they're subverting that in a really interesting way 
by you know setting up a villain who is not related to the villains of the story but is like mm-hmm. directly engaging with those villains and now they're like ramping up the tension because here is this character luke skywalker who we haven't seen in this game but we know about and is they're referencing and that experience between vader and skywalker is where empire ends and in again they're just like it's a really great way to get you know listeners and people reading the story or like engaging with the story involved because the things we care about are are right there and they've got their hooks in us yeah what do you think what was your reaction to this kind of really strange and interesting um kind of plot point yeah so we realized that prince caesar it's a hard name to pronounce he's this mysterious new enemy that we'd never seen in star wars which I, actually i think he's coming he came back recently in a new way i'm not positive on that um but anyway, he's this, you know, strange new enemy we've never seen before. Uh, and he's referencing, like you said, Luke Skywalker. And he plans on taking down Darth Vader, which is like two characters we know very well. So the fact that this person thinks he can take them on. And we have already an investment in Luke and Vader. So now it's like, oh, what does this guy plan on doing? Like, why, why does he want to do this? Like, uh, which is obviously, it sounds like he just wants to rule the galaxy. And really, I want, when you... You can imagine this guy any way you want to, but if you want to imagine him in the in the correct way that he looks, just picture the Grinch, but just super like hot. <laughs> like this guy has like just a the chiseled, hottest Grinch. You can he has the hottest Grinch. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> he has like this like wicked black ponytail, which isn't hot, but <laughs> for him it probably is. Uh, he has like this chiseled jaw, just green skin. Like this dude uh, could probably be like a space model, I imagine. <laughs> But for whatever reason, he wants to be a bad guy. Whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> the scene changes as the Outrider moves closer to an unidentified planet. You were correct, Captain. IG-88 is down in the salvage yard outside the city of Ord Ventel. Dash smiles. I told you Princess Leia hired the right guy, Lebo. The Outrider descends to the ground below. Large, destroyed ships and debris is scattered all over. IG-88's ship was destroyed in a battle with Boba Fett. I bet he's looking for some spare parts. Dash speculates. And if I'm right, he'll lead me straight to Boba Fett. With the ramp extending from the Outrider, Dash Rendar makes his way outside to the seemingly infinite pile of discarded scrap surrounding him. How am I going to find IG-88 in this pile of junk? Dash says, sighing at the sight before him. Dash brings out his communicator, located on his wrist near her to his face. Lebo, did the scopes find IG-88's exact location? Yes, sir. In a salvage plant at the far end of the junkyard. Lebo informs. A hover train runs through the junkyard and leads right into the loading door. The door is closed, but if you reach the last hover train's engine, I can shut off the auto brake and you'll crash through the door. Understanding what he needs to do, Dash turns and runs to a nearby single hover train cart and is able to jump on. Dash rides the rails, dodging obstacles on the tracks as well as shooting down drones, aiming to kill him. Jumping train cart to train cart, Dash continues to dodge the blaster fire from the junkyard drones. In the distance, Dash sees the hover train he needs to board. Taking a deep breath, Dash jumps and barely makes it inside. He continues to run up the train, jumping between gaps on the train carts and shooting down drones and enemies trying to stop him. He makes it to the front of the hover train and hears a communication from Lebo. Jump to the next hover train. Dash looks to his left and sees another hover train on a separate set of tracks. Taking another deep breath, Dash leaps and makes it safely. Okay, sir. I have taken care of the auto brake. Prepare for impact. Lebo warns Dash. 
Dash gets low to the ground of the cart and braces for impact. The hover train smashes through the loading door of the salvage plant and right to where IG-88 is waiting. So Ryan, what do you think of that so far? I think that's such a cool... I mean, you can definitely feel those kind of Western... You can feel that, you can feel that kind of Western vibe yeah. into it, right? With it, It's a train heist, right? It's a train robbery. You're jumping on a train and causing it to crash. And then just the whole scene of the setting of being on this moving train, something we've seen in a lot of games over the years. But it's, it's, it's always really exciting. It's always really engaging when you're jumping from train car to train car, dodging these laser beams. It's, it's just like very action-packed, very kind of Pulp Fiction-y and really fun. Yeah, it, it has like a really solid Western vibe. I really don't know what it is about it. I think it's just kind of Dash. I feel like he brings a lot of that Western vibe to him. The way he stands, the way he shoots his blaster from his hip, like it just it just kind of feels Western in that regard to me at least. And uh, and just it's just it's just cool. And, and again, we're talking about Boba Fett, which is a beloved character. I'm not quite sure why because he's not that cool. Um, it's not as cool as the Mandalorian. I think Mandalorian's right. way cooler than <laughs> Boba Fett. And I mean, yeah. anyway, we'll get to that later. Uh, he's not even technically a Mandalorian. He, I mean, oh, he kind of is. Boba Fett, I mean. Boba Fett, I mean. Oh, okay. isn't Boba Fett technically Jango Fett? I don't think Jango Fett is technically either. Oh, he's not? I don't think what? they're technically. I could be wrong here. Oh, Let my God. My whole world's got rocked. Get this, before I get totally oh, gonna, destroyed. Our, our, we're going to have like so many one star ratings on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Oh, I guess in the same way that uh, he he also wasn't from Mandalore. Oh, but, but he's he like joined them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So he's technically okay. Yeah. 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 All right. We, we admit our mistake, story course. <laughs> please don't. It's, don't I was completely wrong. <laughs> Lindsay, cut that, please. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, please. <cut> <laughs> um. So we also see IG eighty eight, which they don't have a huge presence in Empire Strikes Back, where we see them, but here they have much more of a presence you know and, and it's cool because like now we're seeing more context of this bounty hunter that is super interesting like, like ig8 looks so cool but now we're kind of getting we're getting more from him than we ever did from the movies yeah we're like in the past the only reference we got to these bounty hunters and ig8 being one of them is like that row of bounty hunters standing in that one scene um on the star destroyer right like that's that's yeah. the, where, we, where we first see both for the first time we see ig88 for the first time so now we're like connecting back with that in a really cool interesting way that's one of my, my biggest disappointments with empire as much as i love empire it's probably my favorite star wars movie yeah but i want to see more of the bounty hunters you know i really yeah. want to see because they look so cool they look mm-hmm. so cool um so the fact that we only got boba fett which i want you know boba fett looks really cool i guess uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, so it's really i just think it's awesome that we're getting more context in this way i like when series like star wars or you know bigger series like this have connections maybe not necessarily through their their major outlet which is movies and even tv but through like smaller outlets like well i don't want to say games are a smaller outlet they definitely aren't but you know like i think you know what i mean like just different avenues for different for more information of these characters that we're interested in that maybe we don't necessarily see in movies or tv having been thrown off the hover train dash stands up and hears a familiar robotic voice i have been monitoring you captain randar I have tracked Boba Fett to the Zara system, where he will soon lose Solo to me. Dash looks up to see the robotic bounty hunter, IG-88, looking down at him. And no one will stop me. Dash books it and runs through the salvage plan, trying to get some distance between IG-88 and him. He tries to think of a plan, any plan, to take down the bucket of bolts. Dash can hear the stomping of IG-88 getting closer and closer. He knows the IG units are perfect killers. One mistake, and he's dead. Dash turns and fires on IG-88, who returns fire back. 
Climbing up piles of debris inside the salvage plan, Dash is able to make it to a walkway above. IG-88 closely follows behind. Taking cover, Dash quickly turns and fires at IG-88. A few shots hit the robot before it fires back, and one bolt grazes Dash's shoulder. Slipping, Dash falls and slides down a pile of junk before quickly regaining his footing and running. IG-88 jumps down and lands on the ground, his metal body unafraid of heights. Making it to the other side of the plant, Dash hides behind a hill of scrap. IG-88 listens for Dash on the other side of the hill, waiting for him to make a noise. Dash, looking around the junk at his feet, comes up with a plan. Quietly picking up a piece of metal debris, Dash throws it to the left side of the hill of scrap. IG-88 immediately looks up at the debris flying through the air and is unaware as Dash jumps to the right of the hill of scrap and fires one shot from his blaster. The shot lands clean on IG-88's head and is destroyed. Its metal body goes limp and collapses on the ground. Really quick, I should, I should say that uh, there's been a lot of editorializing here, a lot of embellishment. Uh, in the in the game itself, you're just running around shooting at IG-88. It's really not <laughs> anything special. Um, and I, I definitely, for those of you who are wondering how that sounds kind of familiar, that whole fight scene, I, I kind of based it vaguely on Cowboy Bebop uh, episode 20, where Spike fights the uh, bounty hunter. He throws the garbage to one side, then goes out the other side and shoots at him. I, I totally ripped it off from there, but I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I thought it was kind of a cool content. Take it from good sources. Exactly, Kelly Bebop's fantastic. So, um, but yeah, and uh, so this scene is so special to me. This this fight scene is so special to me because of my memories as a kid and my cousins playing this game. So there was one time where. I, I believe, and I can't remember exactly who was playing it. I believe it was my cousin, Aaron. Shout-outs to Aaron. It could have been Erica, too. Shout-outs to Erica. I'm sorry if I'm getting this wrong. I forget who was playing it. I'm pretty sure it was Aaron. Was playing, and we just could not find IG-88. Like, we didn't know where he went. And then all of a sudden, he jumps down out of nowhere, right in front of us, and we all screamed at the top of our lungs. <laughs> we were so freaked out <laughs> by IG-88 jumping out of nowhere. To the point where my grandma had to come down to this little den room that we were in and ask, like, and it was just like, what is going on? And we're like, IG-88 just jumped out of nowhere, grandma. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, you know, she has no idea what that meant. Like, you know, it was just so funny. Like, it's just one of those childhood things. And I think we all have something like that where we can identify where something crazy happens. We all scream. And it's so funny looking back now because it was nothing major. If you look at games now and how scary horror games are now, as a kid, it's so realistic to you that, like, when something like that happens, it just freaks you out. So it's just one of those good memories that I have of this game. So Ryan, what do you think of the context we're getting here about IG-88? Does this help clarify some of like why we didn't see more of IG-88 in the, the movies? Yeah, I guess it makes sense. Um, again, similar to the Wampa, it, it like it makes Dash seem a really uh, a really incredible bounty hunter or a really incredible person if he's able to take out IG eighty eight. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he just like soloed IG eighty eight just by uh, dodging and shooting him, which is like IG eighty eight is like a pretty well known and spooky bounty hunter. So yeah, that that fills in that gap. For me, there's a gap though in how. Like when we left Hoth, we, did we we came here to fight IG eighty eight? Is that the assumption? Right, and that's where I was saying okay. before, like the connection between these parts is really lacking. Like yeah. it really is lacking a lot. But the parts themselves are really cool. But yeah, where we're going from part A to part B is super lacking. And I think that's where like the book was, the novel was supposed to come in and kind of fill those gaps as to right. why Dash was doing all these things because you don't get a clear con- like why is Dash going after Han Solo when really in the novel. I believe it's Lando Calrissian that pays Dash to go after 
Han Solo to save him. So, yeah, so there's a lot of missing context here. But again, I think it's the whole point of like the special novel, comic book, and game thing that they were doing here. It's like, hey, you want more context? Read the book. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think you could certainly chalk that up to like being a game from 1987, being, like you said, being released at the same time as a book. For games, the thing you want to do is have action sequences with a little bit of story dodged in, yep. like jammed in. Versus maybe the more of some of the bigger experiences we see now. For sure, yeah. And I'm sure the, they didn't want to take too long to explain things. Or, you know, like, they wanted to engage the player as soon as possible. So why why embellish the story longer than you have to? Yeah. But yeah, I think it's just so cool that... Like, I like I love the context this gives. Like, I love that the bounty hunters were fighting each other along the way. As one as, as Boba had Han Solo in his possession after Cloud City. IG-88 was following him to take Han back. Like, it was like a no-holds-bar kind of thing, which I think is so cool. And then there's yeah. Dash Rendar 2 following IG-88 to get to Boba Fett. And then that's why you never see IG-88, because he's dead. Dash kills him. Yeah. And it's just, it's just such a cool... I just I love the background of that. I love that like there's more going on behind the scenes of this movie that we didn't know. And it's it's just such a cool thing to me. And again, it leans into that western like bandits and bounty hunters all fighting over this this big bounty which is Han Solo. Mm-hmm. And again, like now that now that I'm hearing this story and then you talking it would be a really cool movie to watch like bounty hunters like you meet a group of bounty hunters and you just watch them all battle and the whole movie is the context of trying to get Han Solo. It would be such a cool and interesting mm-hmm. concept. Exactly. Yeah, and actually, you don't even really need to have the original characters in the movie as long as you have like their yeah. voices or some kind of voice. Right. If they had Dash just talking to communicator with Luke Skywalker, and Luke's like, or "What if you had like Lando Calrissian?" And Lando's like, "Hey, yeah, you know, I need you. I paid you. you. Need to go after Han." And then that's the whole movie. You know, we don't have yeah. to have someone behind that we know playing Boba Fett because that's just a mask, and IGD is a robot. So you just cast, you just uh, cast Dash, and that's the that's the movie. That would be amazing. That'd be yeah, that's that another be like good. Rogue Rogue One kind of situation. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no Jedi, there's no, well, there's kind of a little bit of a Jedi thing here uh, in the story later on, but it's not a huge major part. It's it's just Dash, and that's, I yeah. think that'd be such a cool, or even like a TV show with how successful The Mandalorian mm-hmm. has been. Bring yeah. a TV show about another bounty hunter, bring Dash back. I think that'd be so cool. Lucas Films, Lucas Arts, Disney, don't be cowards. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, if you need voices for any other characters, yeah, if you need, or if you just want to cash da- cast Dash, um, got he's got the voice down. Call call Eric. He's got the voice down. He's got he's got everything you need. Ryan, let's do this. Let's. I think this is a great <laughs> idea. You be the you be the likeness of Dash. I'll do your voice. <laughs> okay. I don't or, know how that would go, but we would do. <laughs> or you can be... just use our very good syncing of um, reading an audio as the representation of how that would go. You be Dash. I'll do your voice, but I'll also be Lebo too. And you, okay, and you do, do the, the you do the voice of Lebo. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's perfect. <laughs> or what we'll do is each scene will swap. Oh so like God, I'll be yeah. Dash and you'll be Lebo, and then in the next scene we switch. We just without an explanation, don't tell anybody what's going on. And that's just that's just it. Like one scene, one scene's me as Dash, and, and the, like someone shoots at us, and another scene's you, and it kind of goes over your head. It's like, what the, what the heck just happened? <laughs> it's like, how do you, yeah, what that, happened? It would be so funny. Oh, man. Good, yeah, I think that would do it. All right, Disney, you know what to do. Bob, Bob Iker, I think your name is. It's just a good idea are. machine. That's all the, this podcast is just a good idea machine. Honestly, we're just giving away these free ideas for nothing. God, storygoers, tweet Disney. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that no. No, one, no one's even writing it yet so they'll, 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 they'll tweet it <laughs> it's because they're all too busy tweeting at Gabe they that's can't, what it they is that's they don't have any is. time 
Oh, I gotta do Gawkin with Gabe still. <laughs> yeah, don't don't forget. <laughs> let's do a let's do a quick Gawkin with Gabe. Uh, yep, nothing, nothing yet. Okay, next week. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll touch. Yeah, we'll catch with you next week. Next week. Okay, back to the story. <laughs> Dash lets out a sigh and begins to make his way back to the Outrider. Once inside, he smiles at Lebo and says, "Before I fry to circuits, IG88 said Boba Fett was in the Czar system. He must be on the Imperial Moon Base Gull." The Outrider begins to ascend and takes off, leaving the atmosphere of the planet. Now that we're on the Empire's hit list, the only way there without being blasted out of the sky is to hide the ship in Smuggler's Gorge. I love that Dash is so confident in himself with the voice I'm giving him. He probably just sounds normal and I'm just making him sound like the worst person. No, you, <laughs> he, he sounds very confident. <laughs> the ship continues to fly through the darkness of space. Then I'll have to sneak in the hard way. Arriving on the planet Gaul, Dash and Lebo lower the Outrider to the surface below. So far, so good, Lebo. Looks like I go in on foot from here, Dash tells his robotic companion. If I can reach the observation tower, I can plug into the central computer and find Boba Fett's hangar bay. Ryan, do you think that anywhere, maybe Disney World now because Disney owns Star Wars, do you think that there yeah. anyone is selling Boba tea? But in the likeness of Boba Fett, <laughs> probably, yeah. I would, I would. If not, they should be. I think that's a really easy grab. Um, Again, Boba Fett, Boba T. A good idea, given away for free. I'm sure yeah. we'll start seeing that everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Walking down the street, and all you'll see is people trying to hawk Boba Fett, Boba T at us. Bob Iger's just listening to this podcast. He's the one listener. <laughs> He's yeah. like, well, "That's a great idea." <sighs> I'll watch the ship. Lebo assures Dash. Get out there and find Boba Fett. Pulling the blaster resting on his hip, Dash leaves on foot from the Outrider. He quickly runs into an Imperial droids patrolling the grounds. Quickly firing on them, Dash destroys the drones and continues forward. Imperial troopers hear the commotions and fire on Dash. Running along the trails in the canyon side and jumping vast trenches below, Dash outruns the gunfire. Everywhere, there are Imperial droids and troopers. Dash is able to stay alive while he jumps trenches and dodges blaster fire. Stormtroopers fall to Dash's superior firing skill. The dead fall into the vast emptiness below, their bodies never to be seen again. Arriving at an Imperial base, Dash makes his way inside, clearing out any that oppose him. He finds an elevator leading to the observation tower and rides it up. At the top, Dash plugs into the central computer to find Boba Fett's location. Boba Fett is across the canyon in the second tower. You'll need a jetpack to reach him. Levo informs Dash. Dash looks around and spots a lone jetpack resting in the balcony of the observation tower. Slinging the jetpack over his shoulders, Dash positions it comfortably on his back. Out in the distance ahead of him are lone rock platforms. Immense open space covered in fog separates the platforms. Dash knows the jetpack is the only way to make it across the canyon. So, Ryan... Did you think Dash could get any cooler, and why is he now cooler now that he has a jetpack? Uh, I mean, a jetpack makes everything cooler. Um, yeah. There's no, there's just no way around that. Um, so him, <laughs> the fact that he has a jetpack now just makes him much cooler, which I think, yeah. like you talked about with Boba Fett not being very cool, the only thing that kind of set him apart was that jetpack. And now that Dash has that, there's no competition, I don't think, from what we've seen. There's no contest anymore. Yeah, Dash is... Yeah. Sorry, storygoers. I don't know. I don't, I don't mean to burst your bubble here, but uh, <laughs> Dash Render is cooler than Boba Fett. 
Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, if when Dash arrives to where Boba Fett is, he sees him with the jetpack and just like puts his hands up. <laughs> and just says, all right, you got me. Take Boba- him away. <laughs> Boba Fett looks at Dash and goes, son of a bitch. <laughs> it's my shtick. The shoulders and the jetpack. The shoulder pads and the jetpack. His hair is so cool too. God, this guy is coming after me. It's <laughs> uh, funny. Dash closes his eyes and takes a deep breath before jumping from the observation tower's balcony. He begins to freefall, the feeling of his stomach in his chest and being completely weightless. He clicks the button on the jetpack, bringing it to life. The fire shooting out at the bottom of the jetpack lifts Dash up and helps him make it to the first of the rock platforms. One platform at a time, Dash jetpacks to each one, shooting down any turrets resting on the platforms. As he makes it to the last platform, Dash sees a door leading to another Imperial base built into the mountainside. He flies over to it and goes inside. As he makes his way through the base and killing the Imperial troopers inside, he finds a shuttle that takes him deeper into the canyon. Arriving at another base, Dash continues inside to find an ATST. Remembering his struggles on Hoth, Dash quickly destroys the ATST and moves on. He eventually finds another hangar within the Imperial base. Moving through the hallways and up an elevator, Dash spots a familiar ship, the Slave One. In front of it, a person wearing Mandalorian armor is standing. Boba Fett. Dash reassures himself. (laughs) I put that part in there. (laughs) I just see Dash saying that. (laughs) I don't know why. Before he can take a shot, Boba Fett quickly aims the rocket resting on his jetpack at Dash. Dash dives away as not to get hit by the rocket that flies past and impacts the wall behind him. Blaster shots rain across the room as Dash and Boba Fett fight for their lives. Jetpacks come to life, and the two men fly through the air, trying to get an advantage on one another. A lucky shot from Dash connects with Boba Fett's jetpack, causing the Mandalorian to tumble down to a ship resting on the ground. Before Dash can blink, the Slave One comes to life and begins to ascend. Dash's eyes widen as he understands what Boba Fett means to do. Blaster fire shoots out from the Slave One, aiming for Dash. He continues to jetpack across the room, shooting back with the blaster in his hand. Many times, Boba Fett is close to ending Dash's life, but Dash is able to pull through. With the damage adding up on the Slave One, Dash continues to fire at the bounty hunter's ship until the fire explodes from its hull. The Slave One slowly descends back into the ground and lowers into an opening in the hangar bay. Dash jumps down to the opening to see Boba Fett manually loading a frozen Han Solo into an Imperial escort ship. Before Dash can stop him, Boba Fett flies away with Han still in his possession. Dash watches as Boba Fett flies. His anger boils as he realizes he failed. End of part two. So Ryan, check in really quick. What do you think of part two, uh, your likes and dislikes? Uh, so for part two, I think the the action is really, again, it, it has this very Pulp Fiction feel where there's just kind of a lot of action, these, these cool set pieces and then action moving through that that we saw throughout um, this whole this whole section mm-hmm. um, with the train and now with this kind of big battle against the massive ship and leaping over these rocks. The, the, it's just, it's really exciting. It's very tense and exciting. Story-wise, there's enough for me to buy in. He's trying to kill Boba Fett to save Han Solo. That makes sense. It makes yeah. more sense than the IG-88 piece. Yeah, yep. Because, like, we physically see Han Solo, right? So there's less has to be communicated. So I, I think it's really interesting. I think it's really engaging. I think it almost feels like between part one and then now these two parts of part two, they almost feel like a collection of short stories 
all telling yeah. this overarching story of Dash Rendar that have been kind of jammed together, which is maybe why there's that kind of strange um, ebb and flow is because they all seem like their own collected little pieces, set pieces and stories on them. But I, it's, it's fun. It's engaging. It's, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on and it just kind of furthers to show how cool Dash is. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're, I, I agree with you. And I think that the reason why these are more like short stories focused on Dash is I think the game was specifically supposed to focus on Dash's side of the story of Shadows of the yeah. Empire. And then the novel was more focused on Luke and Leia and Prince Zizor and, and, and Shizor, I mean, uh, and uh, and kind of that dynamic there. Um, so I think that's why we see like it's so focused on Dash here, because obviously he's the protagonist of this, of this game. He's the protagonist of the story. But it's just one side of the story, of the overarching story here. But yeah, it's cool seeing Boba Fett again. He's kind of useless. <laughs> it's kind of really funny to watch him tumble when his jet. Like, spoilers in case you've never seen Return of the Jedi. <laughs> but uh, you know, when when Han accidentally bumps into Boba Fett and and sets off his jetpack and causes Boba Fett, Boba Fett to fly away and and you know leads to his death. Uh, you think Boba Fett would have learned before that if it's <laughs> <his> canon <laughs> that yeah. maybe Dash uh, destroying his jetpack and making him tumble to the ground wasn't the best idea to have you know, just anywhere, you know, that jetpack. Um, so again, that jetpack really just is bad luck for Boba Fett. And I, I wonder if Boba Fett really would have stuck around and tried to kill Dash with the Slave 1. Maybe. I could see it's possible. Um, and again, I don't know if Dash could really destroy Slave 1. It's, uh, you know, I, I think it would that'd be really hard to shoot down a ship like that with a blaster in your hand. But <laughs> yeah. it's kind of a game thing, so it just is what it is. But yeah, overall, I like it a lot because, again, like we keep talking about, it brings in characters we know uh, that Dash has to fight, and it's, it's just really engaging. You know, bringing in these characters that we love makes you want to care more about the story. Yeah, I think uh, it benefits from, I guess, similar to Banjo-Kazooie, in that it, it like benefits from, in, in the way Banjo-Kazooie leaned on like folk tales and fairy tales and like this kind of whimsical world, mm-hmm. this is leaning on our Star Wars knowledge, right? You're playing this game because like you're into Star Wars probably and you want to know more about the world. So you don't ask a lot of questions. They don't have to tell you who Han Solo is and why you want to save him. You want to save him because you know who Han Solo is, right? Right. So, and ultimately you know that you don't save him, but you still want to try and save him <laughs> in this moment. And so it lets that do a lot of the heavy lifting for us. Because all these these characters, by just putting Han Solo on the screen, were automatically engaged and interested and want to save him. Part three. Hunting the assassins. The rebels locate Boba Fett, but with the help of an imperial escort, the Boba the bounty hunter escapes from Gaul. Above the planet, an assassin nearly kills Luke. Princess Leia, fearing for his safety, asks Dash to follow him to Tatooine. There, at the abandoned home of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke refines his Jedi skills while Dash keeps an eye out for trouble in a familiar Mos Eisley cantina. Riding through the streets of Mos Eisley, bounty hunters on their speeder bikes discuss the details of the hit on Luke Skywalker. Skywalker's hiding on Ben Kenobi's old place. Jabba will pay extra to the one who blasts his bones. <laughs> An enthusiastic bounty hunter yells. As the bounty hunters ride away from behind a nearby wall, Dash Rendar overhears the conversation and realizes Luke is in danger. I've got to stop these swoop jockeys before they reach Luke. You can't handle all of them. Dash quickly runs to his speeder bike, resting at the cantina, and turns it on. He notices the bounty hunters from before on his right as they ride through Mos Eisley. Dash quickly falls behind them. 
As he catches up to one bounty hunter, he smashes into them with a speeder bike, causing the evil biker to crash into the wall nearest him. One by one, Dash runs down the bounty hunter gang. The bounty hunters realize who Dash is and quickly try to leave Moss Eisley, but Dash doesn't let up. As the speeder bike flies above the endless sands below them, Dash continues to kill the bounty hunters, intending to hurt Luke. With all the bounty hunters now slain, Dash arrives at Obi-Wan's old home. Outside, Luke is standing there, a black cloak draped over him. Princess Leia asked me to watch your back, Luke. Good thing she did. Because it looks like everyone wants your head, even Jabba. Dash says as he continues to sit on his speeder bike. Luke smiles. Yes, but who's pulling Jabba's strings? He questions. Leia's trying to find answers, Luke. She thinks Black Sun's spy network may provide them, Dash answers. Black Sun? Their agents just gave us the time and route of a freighter carrying secret Imperial construction plans. Luke says confidently. Dash scoffs. (laughs) I wouldn't trust those gangsters if I were you. I don't trust them, Luke assures Dash. But we can't afford not to check it out. It may be vital to the Alliance. Want to come along, Dash? Dash smiles at Luke. Why not? Gotta earn my pay. <laughs> I want to take a quick second too, because like, in the, in the cutscene, so we played the the N sixty four version, uh, which is very different than the PC version for the cutscenes. The PC version has like three D models. The N sixty four has like artwork that kind of displays all the cutscenes. Anyway, we see Luke standing in the sands of of Tatooine and Mos Eisley. He's just staying there, draped in this black cloak, looking super evil. Like, just <laughs> looks like super evil, and like, yeah. it's just really strange. Like, he, like, can you imagine just riding up on your speeder bike, having saved Luke's life, quote unquote? And you just see Luke standing there, all emo, his legs spread out. <laughs> like, I don't understand what he's doing. It's just so, it's so weird. Like, he's trying to be emo cool, and it's just not working. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. This whole scene feels a little bit, and like you said, there's like some good bones there like there's some good things in there but this setup feels maybe like one of the weakest so far yeah um he just happens to be in moss eisley happens over here and i guess like if if the context is if it's a short story format right where each of these is independent but fits an overarching that makes sense Mm -hmm. but in how it's presented as each one is followed right after the other it, it seems like it's presented like dash left that moon went to Tatooine for some reason and then all of a sudden runs into uh, runs into Luke instead of like going after Boba Fett more and trying to track that down more he's now all of a sudden at Mos Eisley which it feels kind of like, it's kind of jarring and we went from one space to the other um, but again if we're it's in that context of a short story it, you don't have to worry about that because we don't we're not worried about the amount of time passed yeah and then Dash does mention that Leia essentially has hired him for the job like he gave up the job for Han I guess Oh, okay, I see. But he's like, um, well, you, I guess you kind of assume that he's given up the job to find Han because mm-hmm. he knows that Boba Fett, you know, successfully delivered him to Jabba. But, um, right. but yeah, I guess Leia hires Dash to look out for Luke because during this time, it's, I think it's more explained in the novels, but Luke is in Obi-Wan's old home on Tatooine constructing his new green lightsaber and, like, and focusing on his Jedi skills to become like better at them. And so during that time, Dash is there to kind of make sure nothing happens to Luke as he's working on himself. <laughs> Which, again, Luke is super, super duper evil looking in this. It's very <laughs> weird. It's very jarring. Yeah, it sounds like they took like the Luke walking up to Jabba's palace from Return of the Jedi Luke. But only him with the clo- with his cloak down as he approaches the, the palace. Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't have his like black clothing on like he does in 
Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like yellow clothing, like actually, oh, but it's this black cloak. It's just like super weird. Like I think you're supposed to be like, who's that? But like if you follow the story, you know it's Luke. Right. <laughs> you know Dash is trying to save Luke, so right. it just it doesn't it doesn't flow very well. This is probably like you said the weakest of the stories so far. Yeah, I mean it sounds like like we'll see once we get into like the actual part of it. But at least for a start, at least for like an opening, like especially the first one felt really organic as to why you're participating. It's because you're trapped there. The second yeah. one, you you were hired for a job to protect. Han, so you defeat this robot who's gonna kill Boba Fett, so then you can take on Boba Fett on your own. And then this one, you're you're helping Luke, and all of a sudden he says, "Hey, I'm gonna, I want to go do something. Do you want to go also?" Right. It's, it's weird too, because like, so Dash is hired to protect Luke essentially, but Luke has no idea that Dash is even supposed to be there protecting him because oh, Dash tells him. Yeah. And then he's like, "Yeah, Leia hired me to to protect you." Like he's telling Luke for the first time. Right. But then. Also, Dash is just hanging out in a cantina drinking it, I'm assuming. Uh, and he just happens to overhear these bounty hunters winding Luke's head. Like, he's not doing a great job at his job right now. Especially considering all the crap he went through to try to rescue Han. You'd think he would be taking this a little bit more seriously. But then again, it's kind of like that western mm-hmm. vibe yeah. where, like, you know, he just hangs out at the bar until something happens. And then he's in <laughs> fight. You know, like, it's just, I think that's what they're kind of going for. But yeah. that's my assumption. Yeah, that makes sense. And then there's also the interesting implication that... But Luke wouldn't have been able to take on all these bounty hunters that Dash took out by himself. <laughs> with the speeder bike. <laughs> yeah, with the speeder bike, yeah. Like Luke has a lightsaber now, I'm assuming, at this point. <laughs> and he's finished constructing it. Yeah. Uh, and he has Jedi powers. And I like how Dash is like, I, I saved you. There's nothing, you know, you could never have taken out all of these guys. And it's like, Dash, dude, your speeder bike's about to blow up because you've been smashing <laughs> into so many people. Like, yeah. I don't think you did a very good job. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe Luke couldn't have. I don't, I don't know. Dash and Luke board their respective ships, the Outrider and an X-Wing, and fly into space. Approaching an Imperial freighter, Luke's voice comes over the comms. Dash, this is Luke. You board the Imperial fighter and find that supercomputer. I'll cover you out here. Uh, I really quickly also want to point out the fact that Luke Skywalker is now a, a Jedi. <laughs> I think at this point he tells <laughs> he tells Dash to go into the Imperial freighter, which is this gigantic Imperial ship, uh, to find the supercomputer while Luke stays out in space to cover him. Well, I mean, <laughs> apparently Dash is just more better than Luke. Is what's been it's being established. It seems like. It really is. Like, I feel like you can tell anything to Dash. Like, Dash, why don't you jump in that Snarlack pit and get that one thing I dropped in there? And Dash is like, okay. Why not? <laughs> you know, Gotta like, earn just, my pay. <laughs> Gotta earn my pay. <laughs> and just, like, D- like, Dash is that dumb idiot that doesn't really do anything but has really good luck doing it. But yeah, like, it just it's just so funny that Luke is this Jedi. You know, he's like this space wizard and he tells Dash to go in and, and do the job that he asked Dash. If he, I don't even know if Dash is getting paid for this job. Luke just asks if he wants to go. And Dash says, I got to earn my pay. But like, I don't know. Dash is weird to me. <laughs> he was paid to protect Luke. And now Luke is protecting him as he goes in. I mean, it sounds like Luke just tricked Dash. Into <laughs> it really is, yeah. Like, quote, unquote, tricked. Like, he's protecting Dash, quote, unquote. Yeah. But he's not. Like, he's yeah. just staying in space. There's no... Like, they're not fighting him out in space. He's inside the freighter. What is there to worry about outside? You got this, Dash. I'll cover you. Go on in there. Oh, wait. I thought I was protecting you. What do you mean? You got it, Dash. Get in there. X-Wing playing with his lightsaber. (laughs) This is so cool. (laughs) Dash connects the Outrider to a port tunnel on the Imperial freighter. He gestures to Lebo before climbing up the port tunnel and into the freighter. My scanners show the supercomputer is near the main cargo hangar. Lebo informs Dash. 
Dash starts to move down the halls of the Imperial freighter, and it's not long before he starts blasting down Imperial troopers. One by one, Dash blasts a hole in the soldiers, whose aim is anything but impeccable. Finding the main cargo hangar, Dash's eyes widen as he sees a massive droid come to life. It has massive grappler arms, and one solid base for legs, that wheel it around the ground. Dash immediately fires on the droid, trying desperately to destroy it. The robot closes in quick, and its arms extend out to grab Dash. He quickly reacts and jumps out of the way before the robot's arms get him. Dash continues to fire on the robot, wishing it would go down. With his wishes being answered, the robot blows up, and the doors to the supercomputer are unlocked. You found the supercomputer, Lebo cheered. Now take the lift back to the control room, and switch off the hangar force field so I can pick you up. Dash turns and goes back up to the hangar control panel and turns off the force field. Lebo brings the outrider into the hangar bay and loads the supercomputer. In a separate location, Emperor Palpatine is with Prince Shizor, plotting Luke Skywalker's death from before. Palpatine, sitting on his throne, turns to look at the evil prince. I allowed the computer carrying the plans for the new Death Star to fall into rebel hands on your advice, Lord Caesar. You had best be right. Lord Caesar responds, Rest assured, your highness. Their struggle was enough to convince them that their prize is genuine. Once the rebels find out exactly what I've given them, their trust in me will be complete. I will do what Vader cannot. I will deliver the rebels to you, to crush at your pleasure, my emperor. End of part three. So Ryan, at the end of part three, what are you thinking so far of the story overall? Overall, I, I st- it still, again, it's, it's because it's leaning on those characters who we know and love, it makes it more engaging and interesting because... Of our knowledge of like what happened in the movies, we have never heard of this Lord uh, Caesar. I keep wanting to say Caesar because that's what like my brain <laughs> is thinking of is like Caesar of Rome. Um, because we um, because it's giving us the context that we didn't have in the movies of this other plot. Because the Emperor is losing faith in Vader, he is going into somebody else. And so that is interesting and engaging. I think Dash as a character and this hunting down of bounty hunters is interesting and engaging. And I think you said it really well when you said there is some good stuff in here, but it just like all put together. It feels like we're missing large chunks of time and large chunks of things that are happening. Which, again, if there is a book also to go with it and a comic, it makes sense. But overall, I, I yeah. enjoy it. I think it's, it's fun. It, it feels very Pulp Fiction-y, like, I, like I've said many times, where it's just kind of like fast action and the stakes are exciting but not too crazy. You're just kind of rushing from these cool set piece to cool set piece, taking on new challenges and then propelled by these other characters. Um, what about you? What are you? How are you feeling so far? Yeah, I, I I agree with what you're saying. I, I think that for this part, part three is very weak uh, in regards to kind of motivations and stuff. But it it like works for what it is, I guess. Uh, it's not the strongest motivations. But again, we're just kind of seeing, like you said, similar characters that we know, or the same characters that we know from these stories. Um, so like seeing Emperor Palpatine, we're like, no, oh man, like you know, he's super important in the story. So the fact that this Lord Caesar is trying to get to be his right hand and, and, and get rid of Vader, which is a huge task because like Vader's so scary. It's, it's just cool that I did, you know, it's cool to know that there's someone that was going after Vader this whole time while Vader's going after the rebels. And it's just kind of this, you know, this cat and mouse kind of thing going on from behind the scenes that we never knew about. It's again, adding more context, which is super cool. Thinking about it now, it, it's, it almost is trying to explain why, because um, the end of Return of the Jedi, where like they take on the entire empire, with like 
a bunch of bears. Like it is, it's kind of strange, right? It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. But if with all these things going on in the background, all the stuff Dash is doing, all this kind of backstabbing and treachery might kind of give that. So it might helps that make some more sense. Right. I mean, even see, uh, like Lord uh, Shizor said that he had some kind of construction going on in Endor, uh, which is kind of like giving motivation to why the Ewoks want to fight back. I think. I think that was kind of the motive. Uh, what the the reasoning was there what they're trying to do there yeah. um kind of mentioning endor because they were to you know the story is eventually going to lead to endor in return of the jedi so uh, yeah but super cool just more context which is always a, a cool thing yeah yeah i agree part four so ryan this is the last of the okay, um i'm ready i'm ready this the, the the crawl so just i really want you to really just enjoy this last one, this one. Yeah. <laughs> okay here we go we'll see <laughs> Lair of the Dark Prince Princess Leia is met with the mysterious Dark Prince Caesar. When she discovers his plan, she is held captive deep within his lair beneath Imperial City. Caesar is unaware that both Darth Vader and the rebels have learned of his treachery and race to confront him. Determined to rescue Leia and destroy Black Sun, Luke and Dash slip unnoticed into the depths of the Imperial City's underworld. Give a round of applause story goes for Ryan. He did a fantastic job with the singing. It was great. Ryan, thank you so much. I, I did my best to recreate. My voice can do a lot of things. I didn't know it could recreate an orchestra, but you all heard it. <laughs> the trumpets. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> Thanks, <yeah. laughs> Under the Imperial City, the Outrider and Millennium Falcon fly through the tunnels hidden below. Lending their ships, Dash, Luke, Lando Calrissian, and Chewbacca group together. These sewer tunnels lead to Zizor's palace. Lando, Chewie, and I will search for Leia. Dash, see if you can find a way to cover our escape. We'll meet you back here, Luke dictates. Dash smiles, blaster in hand. Sure, Luke. I'll just plant a few pulse bombs and blow this foul-smelling place sky high. Just make sure you make it back in one piece, Luke says. Really quick, I just want to say the fact that Luke wanted just someone to cover their escape, and Dash is like, don't worry, I'll blow up <laughs> I'll everything. Just destroy it. <laughs> Let me just destroy this city for you. <laughs> I know what you're trying to tell me, Luke, and don't worry, I'll blow up everything on our escape, okay? There'll be, I love that. So there'll funny. be no survivors, Luke, just like you on it. I think this is like Dash just being passive-aggressive towards Luke, who's making him do all this crap work for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, Dash, you stay behind. It's funny, because like, he's like, Lando, Chewie, you're with me. Dash... You're by yourself. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, why? Why did you make Dash go by himself? It just seems kind of rude. It kind of seems like there might be some like plot of Luke's to get Dash killed. With with it what happened last way. time and what's happening now, there might be some other treachery that we're not aware of. Like Dash is like super expendable to Luke, by Luke. <laughs> it seems like, just from the context of this game, it just feels like Luke's like, yeah, I'm okay if Dash dies for this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I just really want him gone. Not Jedi like at all. Bad Luke. Well, maybe not. I mean, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe somewhat Jedi-like. He's got maybe a little Jedi-like, I guess. Yeah. Good job, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad would be proud, as long as well as the other uh, many group uh, little younglings that <laughs> he slaughtered. But uh, that's another story. Luke, Lando, and Chewie run off as Dash heads the opposite way. The stench of the sewers was strong. It burned the inside of Dash's nose. Walking through sewage, Dash runs into a security droid that he's able to destroy with his blaster. Further into the sewers, Dash explores until he comes upon a room with a large body of sewage water. 
not realizing in a time a tentacle from the water grabs Dash's leg and drags him in. The sewage water was murky, but Dash could see the tentacled monster waited below in the water. It was a Dianoga, a multi-tentacled monster looking for a meal, and Dash was on the menu. <laughs> is this the same? Is, is this the creature from the trash compactor that they're doing? I don't know, but it definitely could be. Okay. I definitely could be. Um, it look the tentacles look a lot like it, but it's a gigantic monster. Oh, okay. It's huge. It's like, it's like the size of a very big room. Gotcha. Using his jetpack to stay close to the surface of the water, Dash pulls his blaster out and fires on the tentacles, killing them one by one. The mouth of the Dianoga opens and begins to suck the water in, bringing Dash closer to it. Its mouth is large and filled with razor-sharp teeth. Dash, panicking, shoots into the monster's mouth and kills it. The sewage water engulfing the room drains, and an opening shows above him. Dash jetpacks up and over to the door closest to him, which happens to lead to Lord Caesar's lair. Uh, quick side note, I know this is a game, and it is what it is, but why someone put this giant sewage <laughs> pit right next to the door <laughs> to, to Prince Caesar's lair, I don't get it. Um, but you know what? It is what it is. I mean, that's what he wanted, and yeah. uh, we have to respect that. He wanted to, be, he, he wanted to be near the sewage for whatever dark machinations he may have he he drinks a lot of water he's always using the bathroom might as well put the septic tank right, 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 right. <laughs> yikes that's gross sir there are several service panels to the space elevator that connected lord zizor's palace to his skyhook in orbit if you place pulse bombs on each one of these three service panels the fortress will be destroyed and the skyhook will be cut off lebo informs dash over the comms a purple hue lingers over the halls of Shizor's lair. Dash quickly runs into Shizor's soldiers, but they are no match for him. He's able to make his way through Shizor's lair, placing the necessary pulse bombs on the three service panels. Riding an elevator up, Dash enters a large empty room. On the other end, a door opens and walks in a massive robot known as the Gladiator. The Gladiator shakes the room with its heavy stomps and swings at Dash any chance it can. Dash does not let up, though. Dodging the gladiator and shooting at it, he damages its legs, causing the gladiator to fall to the floor. Dash takes a deep breath, relieved, happy that the fight is over. But unfortunately for him, the gladiator was not done. Detaching its legs, the gladiator begins to hover off the ground and fires flames from its hand cannons. The floor changes, bringing up new walls and paths, blocking his way to the gladiator. Using his jetpack, Dash hovers in the air, dodging flames and shooting his blaster. Dash can feel the intense heat of the flames as he barely dodges the robot's attacks. Managing to damage the main body, the gladiator again detaches its torso and arms, with its head still floating. Lethal laser beams begin to shoot from the robot's head at Dash. Dash does not let up, though. Hitting the small head of the gladiator was hard, but not impossible. Continuing to fight, Dash is able to shoot down the monstrous robot's head and finally bring the fight to an end. Collecting himself, Dash runs back to the Outrider and meets up with the rest of the group. As they get into their respective ships and take flight, they find Prince Shizor leaving orbit as well. Shizor is heading back to his skyhook. Lebo, keep us on course while I take the guns and blast his fighters into space dust. Dash informs his co-pilot. Manning the gun turret, Dash begins to shoot down Shizor's fighters, known as Star Vipers. Dash's skills shine through as he destroys Star Viper after Star Viper. Facing them all off, the Outrider flies closer to Shizor's base as Luke comes over the comms. The Empire is attacking Shizor's base and us. Destroy the turrets at the end of each arm of the station. Leva flies the Outrider to each arm as Dash blows them up to bits. That does it for the turrets, yells Luke. 
Now fly inside and destroy the power core. Dash quickly runs to the pilot's seat and takes control of the Outrider. Flying to an open hole of one of the turrets, Dash begins to dodge obstacles and destroy blue power cores inside the station. Moving through the tunnels of the base, destroying all of the power cores inside Shizor's base, flames erupt and red lights begin to shine. Let's get out of here! Luke tells the group. Dash turns the Outrider around and begins to make his escape. Dodging more obstacles, Dash is just about to escape the tunnel as flames burst forth from it. The station begins to break apart and it completely explodes. Wait! Luke says, looking around for signs of the Outrider. Where's Dash? He must not have made it out of the skyhook before it blew. The group leaves and meets at a rendezvous point on Tatooine near the palace of Jabba the Hutt. Luke and Leia sit with one another. Luke, thinking of his friend, now dead, says, I can't believe Dash didn't make it out of that explosion, Leia. He was such a great pilot. I know, Luke. Leia assures him and places her hand on his shoulder. But he didn't die in vain. Thanks to him, the Alliance no longer has anything to fear from Black Sun, and the Imperial computer he captured is beginning to decode right now. It may well contain information worth the price Dash paid for his life. Yeah, so I, I really quick, I just realized too, like, whatever happened to that supercomputer, I, I did it, I guess it technically gave... Yeah, it had the plans for the Death Star, yeah. Which is a really bad plan, overall. <laughs> like, really stupid plan. I don't know why they decided to do that, but it does explain how they got those plans again for the second Death Star. So. Yeah, and it also is, like, setting up, like, the fact that the M- Empire attacked is really interesting, which we can talk about more at the end, but because, like, it sets up, like, a rift between the Emperor and Vader, right? Now, yeah, you're right. It's actually a really good point. I didn't think about it. It's probably the beginning of, well, not the beginning, but it's probably really impacted their relationship through this whole thing is the fact that Vader kind of realizes the Emperor, Emperor isn't completely invested in him and entrusts him. Right, right. At that moment, flying through hyperspace, Dash Rendar and his robot companion, Lebo, are safe and sound. Dash, smiling triumphantly, looks at Lebo. Lebo, we've made some great disappearances, but that one was for the books. Captain, I don't understand. Why do you not want the others to know we survived? Questioned Lebo. First of all, we weren't hired for that stunt back there. There's no point waiting around for a reward. Second, Shizor's already sent every thug in the galaxy after us. But if everyone thinks we're dead, who's going to be looking? explains Dash. Besides, it's nice to be remembered as a martyr and still be alive, right? Dash says, his smirk still in full force. The two continue to fly away deeper into space and to parts unknown. The end. So Ryan, with the story now over, mm-hmm. this is the last story you have of Dash Rendar. Yeah. What do you think of the story as a whole? Overall, it's it's a fun story. Um, it, it's not super deep. It, again, it relies really heavily on the characters we already know to do a lot of our character development for us. So you don't need to. You know, we're the only character that needed to be developed was Dash and this prince, mm-hmm. right? Everybody else, we know pretty well. We know what their motivations are. We know what they're doing. So I think that helps the story a lot. I think without that, the story might have struggled. But with that, it, it makes it really engaging and interesting, especially if you're a fan of Star Wars, especially of like these that are maybe considered to be two of the best of star the star wars movies yeah which is empire and return of the Jedi. um so overall it's it was really enjoyable it was kind of light it was fun it was very actiony um dash rendar is an interesting character this kind of thing he's pulling at the end is really interesting and i think yeah it makes the kid it for me it makes dash much more interesting than kind of who he was before this 
because he's he's now allowed himself to die as a martyr and now he can go do whatever he wants which is really interesting um and again like very different from like a han solo character who like above all else like was terrified of dying and didn't want something like this to happen this again makes me feel like dash is like he outsmarted luke and leia and everyone else in a really interesting way (laughs) it's cool because it plays uh it draws back to like a new hope and return of the jedi with like escaping from shizor's palace uh it was cool because like in the game like you're like dodging and, and weaving between uh walls and and debris and stuff so like it's really cool um but yeah as a story overall dash is an interesting character that wasn't developed enough but yeah. like it's still really cool because he was kind of this conduit to in which we can see characters we really love interacting again with one another and getting more context of themselves and their motivation like igd and all that so through the novel you see more that like prince shizor tries to actually like um swoon leia like he tries to like get Leia to fall in love with him and uh she doesn't go for it oh interesting and that's why Leia was at this on this planet right yeah, so she Cats goes him. to try to talk to him because she like tries to figure out what's going on with the black sun uh and he tries to kind of like swoon her like he tries to kind of like win her love and she's just not having it uh, and I, I actually read too originally that, uh, so that I think it's Steve Perry is his name the one who wrote the 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 novel um I guess his higher hubs were like, hey, make Leia fall in love with him. It'll be more interesting. And he was like, absolutely not. Because he's like, I'm sure that the fans would hate that if yeah. Leia falls for that. Um, which I think is actually really cool because it's like a really bad trope for the female to kind of fall in love with the handsome bad guy and, and not realize he's bad yet until yeah. he, she realizes he is bad. And then, you know, she could have done more if she had known. Um, I like that Leia, they, he, the author respected the fact that Leia is smarter than that uh, and didn't fall for that trick. Because again, he's kind of terrifying looking. He's this handsome Grinch guy, but he's like clearly evil. Like you can just kind of tell. Um, right. So it's really funny that they wanted to that they wanted to do that. But uh, yeah, and it's actually at the end of the book too, when Dash Dash is in the the novelization as well, uh, and when he's leaving, he's trying to escape the station. It blows up, and no one knows what happens to Dash. That they all assume that he died. But we see here in the N sixty four version that we see that he does oh, live. So yeah. I think yeah, that was the that was probably one of the points that they had during this game is like, you know, you won't know if Dash died in the book, but play the game and you realize yes, he actually is still alive at the end of this whole thing. So I think it's like kind of one of the things they're trying to do there with the, like the three different avenues of the story, which is kind of a cool thing to do. But yeah, so overall, I like the story. I think it has some really strong parts. The parts the the in between each uh part of the story is very weak because you don't really know what the heck's going on and dash's only motivation here seems to be money but then again he's always doing things he's not getting paid for um and luke (laughs) is kind of manipulating him (laughs) it seems like to do all these horrible things for him yeah Uh, like going to a a imperial freighter by himself which seems like really not like a great idea so but overall i like the story yeah I would much I would much rather watch this as a movie than the new sequels for sure, except for Rogue One. Yeah, it would be really interesting to see like the characterization of Dash developed over time and his interaction with just like the underworld and using that in a really interesting way. Yeah, uh, because like they had to like obviously they had to kill him off because he's not in Return of the Jedi. And if he were to survive, right, that he would have been like a big piece of the mission for Return of the Jedi, and they can't have that happen right yeah similar to rogue one right like watching rogue one you know the ending because you've never heard of these people before so it's again it like 
it did what Rogue One did years and years and years and years later, which would be interesting to see if the the writers of Rogue One <laughs> took any inspiration from this series, um, or oh, if that was just point. like a two, like that's just a quick way you solve that problem is is everyone thinks they're dead, um, which is really interesting. I'm sure they were also setting up for a sequel because if this did well, um, Lucas Arts is you're gonna make more games, um, so that's interesting, but. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's interesting. I know Gary Wooda is one of the writers of Rogue One. He's on Kind of Funny a lot, yeah. the, the group on YouTube. Um, so it's interesting. I'm actually almost tempted to, to message him and see if he has any information on that. That'd be kind of cool yeah, to, really to cool. see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so overall, uh, super cool. It, it's definitely a weak story, but it has a lot of cool parts, a lot of cool elements to it. So. I just and I just have such fond memories of it. When IGDA jumped down, man, that freaked all of us out. <laughs> <laughs> One time, as when we were young, uh, just good memories of that game. So, and actually, really quick, I want to say you you didn't know the story at all. So, like, were you no. surprised by how uh, by anything about it? Yeah, I was really surprised how much they used. Um, it makes sense. But I was surprised how much they used the characters from the old game. I'm surprised how much Dash had a hand in and where the story went. I was never expecting like an outside evil force putting a rift between Vader and the Emperor. I think that's really smart because of what eventually happens. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, I think, really smart, like, foreshadowing almost. Yeah. That's really interesting, so I thought that was really cool. I want to know more about this prince and the Black Sun. Like, I want to know more about that crime syndicate and what that all means. I'm really interested. Like, there's a lot of pieces here, like you said, that I want to know more about. The struggle Mm -hmm. was just when they fill the holes with a, 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 a text scrawl with some very good music behind it it's a challenge sometimes to keep up right yeah yeah exactly and so you have to really pay attention and yeah. now actually really want to go back and play uh the pc version of this with all the 3d cuts yeah. i had no idea that was even a thing i yeah. had no idea that was even a thing so it's actually pretty exciting to go back and see but yeah it's yeah. a classic n64 game for me at least um so i'm very curious to see who else really enjoyed that game back in the day but now that we're done with that it is time to announce our special announcement for next month oh yeah are you excited for it, Ryan? I'm so excited. I'm I'm really excited. I've already I've already uh, dived into our, our our next experience. That was uh, it was it was really cool. Um, and I'm excited yeah. to, to do more with it. But yeah, it's very exciting. So for this next month in October, for the next four weeks, I think in October. <laughs> I <can't think laughs> oh, that's a great. I'm pretty that. sure it's four weeks. Um, we will be covering all horror games, all spooky horror games for that month. Uh, with our first game being Soma. And Ryan, I think you're, you'll be covering Soma. Yeah, I will, be, cover? I will be covering Soma. Um, so I've already I've already checked out Soma. I've already done some stuff with Soma. And it's a really wild experience. Um, I, as a, as a person, am not a huge horror person. Um, especially the video games. Movies, I, they don't bother me. But video games have always, like, terrified me. Like, even the original Bioshock, like we kind of talked about, just was really scary. And mm-hmm. just because of how immersive it is, where with a movie I'm able to disconnect myself from what's happening, or in a game, that immersion just terrifies me. So I pick some games that are kind of more, they're terrifying, but for different reasons. And then Soma, I think, has this really cool existential horror that it'll get into that I'm excited about. Oh, it's so cool. See, it's funny that you picked, so you picked more games that are kind of like just more of this like psychological, like Yeah, kind of yeah, mental, like kind of that are, that are horrifying, not necessarily certainly in that moment and some experiences with Soma, but when you walk away, you're still thinking about how terrifying some of these experiences would be. That's awesome, because actually I picked two horror games that are just very dark. <laughs> dark, yeah. horror, scary, gory, just blah. But I want to save them 
from what yeah, we announce them each episode. Yeah. Uh, if you have any suggestions that maybe we'd want to cover, let us know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and also be expecting a really cool new opening yes. uh, for the month of October. We're super excited about it. It sounds awesome. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Shadows of the Empire. Good stuff. Shoulder pads. Good stuff. Very good. Oh man, I should have mentioned. How did I not? Oh, I just realized I didn't. I mentioned no shoulder pads at all in this whole script. All right, let's just start again. Just I'll, I'll in your mind, Storygoers, every time Eric mentions Dash Vendor, imagine him saying, with his very cool space shoulder pads, puffy space <sighs> shoulder pads. I should have. Oh, regrets. <laughs> if you ever recover this story, I yeah. am making sure I put more space shoulder pads <laughs> in the script. The, the blaster shot grazed Dash's shoulder pads. Oh, man, it could have been so good. <sighs> but as always, storygoers, thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank if you. you. Any, if you have any thoughts, feelings, perspectives, let us know. Talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.